0: Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkradio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there on Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptotalkRadio.net. What a lovely bit of time and space and energy and shifts and drama. High drama in cryptocurrency. Welcome or welcome back. You're new. You haven't heard a lot of my rants. And I, I feel for you for not getting an opportunity to avail yourself of how I cover. If you're not new, you've heard this story. It's the same old song, but with a different meaning since you've been gone. Name the song. There's some stuff going on in cryptocurrency. I've got a quick personal update, just so you have a sense here. I'm going to be doing, and this will be on the radio end. So Classic Tunes Radio on CTROnAir.net. But what we're going to do... And this is extremely risky, and in order for you to understand the level of risk involved in what I'm about to share, it relates to cryptocurrency, so bear with me. I have to tell a story. I got to take you back, way back, during a time when cell phones were not in anybody on anybody's mind. You know, you had bag phones, ruled the roost in the cars, and internet was essentially dial up, and you know, we it was a different time. During this time, the guy Leister here at CryptoTalkRadio.net was sitting in class in the art class, to be specifically uh, clear, in art class, art class is arguably the worst. It's the biggest scam of the lower school. Like we're, we're talking pre, this is a long time ago, but we're art class is a scam. It's the biggest rigged scam I can think of in the educational system. <clears throat> and if you're not in the United States, I'll tell you how, at least how it used to be. I don't know if it's still this way. I'm pretty sure it is. But the education system, what it likes to do is create a blend of different um, educational things. So they'll talk about things like cultural things. They'll do English. They'll do math. They'll, and then they'll do what they call electives and the electives. Although the word elective is, is present. It's a bit misleading because you don't really have a choice as a kid, but they have these electives. Some electives are language, you know, so you can learn Spanish, you can learn Japanese, etc. And I chose to learn Spanish. You got Leicester. I was one of the stars. I actually, I actually got better scores, then Mexican folks. So I took that as kudos, but I took Spanish. I did that for three years. Uh, PE, you were forced to do P's. So that's physical education. So that's gym. I would never suit up. That was my thing. It wasn't that I didn't want to do it. it. I never would suit up because they would always do the garbage sports, you know, basketball, right? Screw that football. No. If they did soccer, if they did badminton, tennis, archery, you know, I was there. I was there. I was suited all good. In hindsight, I probably should have bet done a better job keeping my gym clothes clean, but I figured if you're not going to smell the part, what's the point? Anyway, one of these electives, there was a couple of other ones like auto shop uh, for you know working on cars, wood shop, metal shop. I took metal, I'm pretty sure I did, and then they had art. And the only reason I took art is it was all... The, I forget what the other one was, but it was garbage. And so I'm like, all right, fine. Let me get it out of the way. You're required to... That's why I say the word elective is misleading because you're required to pick these in order to get passed. And so I did an art class, and I'll never forget. The teacher was an absolute jackass. So if you know Final Fantasy, the, the series uh, game, Final Fantasy VI, which used to be Final Fantasy III, had a Moogle, and the cover of the Super Nintendo cartridge is... It was the it was the Mughal and It's like purple, and that was burned in my mind at the time. And so I ba- I actually painted, and again this is art class. And I had a a young gal who was a cool cool chick, and I'll I'll tell the story on casual one day. But bottom line is, I did the painting of the Mughal with the sword, and he was standing on a meteor in space. It was the finest art piece I ever did. It was basically the only thing I could do essentially. And this dude, he gave me a C for this, and I'm like, my brother was about to go beat his ass. I'm serious. He was he was livid. He was about to go and put it on this guy, because I got a C, and everybody's looking at it like, come on, this is pretty damn good. Especially because I was not good at art. I never have been. I was finding music. I was finding everything else. Art was just a pain. <laughs> so, now fast forward a little bit, we get a teacher strike. After the teacher strike, we get a substitute teacher in, and this guy is the cool cool as a fan. And he said to me, he said to the whole class, paint or draw what you know you can, and I'll grade you on that. So I did a drawing. It was a uh, pencil drawing or stencil drawing, really, of a street scene where you're looking down the street with buildings on the side and the whole nine. I didn't think it was that good, but the guy gave me a B plus on it. And that was the only way I passed the class. If I didn't get that teacher strike, I would have failed, as in not graduated, all because of almost cussed art class. So, so the reason I told that story is you had to understand the preface that art has never been a strength. I did art on two different occasions. One was in junior high, one was in high school and it was a catastrophe both times because I realized that art teachers don't teach you anything. There's kind of an assumption of you either got it or you don't in art. And I learned later as I would watch Bob Ross and I still watch the shows on YouTube. If you want to see it, I would watch Bob Ross as a kid, late night, And it was just intoxicating watching and listening to him and seeing what he was doing and realizing, okay, basically those teachers didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to teach kids the style of how to draw or how to paint and how to create something. They were just doing their own thing and assuming that you either had the aptitude or not and then failing you if you just didn't have it. Well, I made a decision. That's why I say it ties to cryptocurrency. You just had to wait for the story and here it is. Ta-da! I... I ordered up the Bob Ross, uh, whole Bob Ross kit. So he has, he's passed away, but his whole organization has all these supplies that he uses on the show, on the show and all this different stuff. So I ordered the whole shot shebang, everything, not his easel because we're out of stock, but I got a really nice easel. I got the canvases. I'm pretty sure it's a different brand canvas. That's fine. But all his different paints, all his different brushes, his uh, easel stuffs, all that stuff is coming. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and I know I can do it because I'm pretty confident now that I I see really where the technique was going wrong. And the the fact that I just had teachers that suck, I'm going to be doing my first painting after, we're talking decades now, first painting of something. I haven't decided what the first is going to be, but my plan is if I can pull off one of them to my own satisfaction, then I'm going to extend all that into other paintings. And the plan is I'm going to build out. An NFT line tied to the physical asset. Haha. I told you it would tie back to cryptocurrency. So the, the thought is: okay, I'll create my own physical artworks that are mine, as literally created by me, owned by me, full stop, exists nowhere else. I will tie it as a physical asset to an NFT, and then we'll make that available. Now, where I have to get fancy with this is I'm going to this, where the radio comes in, I'm going to start doing giveaways, not giveaways, but kind of contest type things through the radio for some of this artwork. And it'll be flipped. So like on the crypto side of things, you have an opportunity to either purchase the NFT and own the artwork or win the artwork and then get the NFT as part of the win. Either way, this is a great opportunity for me to expand the brand ever slightly in something that is largely insulated from the garbage that's going on with cryptocurrency prices because although there's a price aspect to it it's really in the eye of the beholder right if i if i do an excellent job and i can't guarantee i will but if i do now we can truly put value to and somebody's going to look at it and say i like that and i'm willing to pay x for it where is that going like I said, my endeavor pays me enough. I don't need the money. What I plan to do is, if I can if I can make this work, and I again, can't guarantee I'm going to make this work, but if I can make this work, and I've got a lot to do with this in thinking it through, if I can make this work, the plan is to identify, if not create, I'm not sure yet, create, a, create or identify a cause for me to give to in support. I know I'm going to support local news. That's a big thing for me. I think local news needs to be maintained and not lost like it has been, even if that means I got to set up my own dam, I, I want local news. That's a huge thing for me. I think cancer is another good cause. I think homelessness is another good cause. These are things that I'm I'm passionate about that I want to see more done to help resolve these things. And I think they're easy to solve, especially homelessness. I'm not going to bore that here because it's not the right forum. If you're curious about what I've got in mind, feel free to join us on Casual Talk Radio. We're going to record on next Monday. It's going to be our next episode. CasualTalkRadio.net. Check us out there, and I'll give more information about what I've got on mine, because I'm going to be expanding on that one. And then i got got more work to do on the radio side. I'm waiting for the plan to update. Once that updates, I'm going to start uh, planning for the future for this. Now, no transition, because I just bored you with that story and burned nine minutes, but it was important that I tell you there's more coming that will that will be part of crypto because it's part of you know NFTs and everything else. As I bring the whole brand, everything will come together at a plan. Even Combat. Even Combat's, if I can pull this off, even Combat has a part to play and it ties to one of the updates I've got today. Let's break through starting with the price. You've noticed that the price started dropping quite substantially across the board, pretty much on all cryptocurrency. And I was noticing, unfortunately, sadly, I was disappointed to see on CoinMarketCap, people on the forums are claiming that basically Bone is a scam and devs are dumping and everything's crapping and everything else is up and Bone's not. And I this tells me there are people that either don't know how to read graphs or they're not paying attention to multiple different projects because everything in cryptocurrency took a crap. And I'm going to tell you why here in a second. But Coindesk.com, check it out if you'd like to go follow along. Coindesk.com, as I record this, dipped as far down on Ethereum as 1940 and high at 2060. That's a widespread, very widespread. It was a huge drop from where we were going. We're actually trending in a strong upward direction. And if you heard me at CryptoTalkRadio.net, I said, I'm not sure this sustains. This is why I said that, because I wasn't sure if there's going to be something getting in the way and it didn't feel like the actual bull run. Certainly bulls are out shopping. They're still out shopping. And I want you to be assured we're still going to go up. It's just This is a speed bump. We're going to have some temporary disruption. And one of the evidence points of why this was clear and easy to see is the fact I mentioned that it seemed like, you know, in this case, Bitcoin was going up, but Ethereum wasn't. And then Ethereum started going up a little bit and Bitcoin wasn't. We normally see them run lockstep. And in this case, they weren't. Well, Bitcoin got the worst of this business. Because if you look at Bitcoin on that same, Bitcoin dropped huge, absolutely huge, down 349 at the lowest base, 24 hours, high at 36.7, currently at 35, on a slight downward trend. Bitcoin got the brunt of this business. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. A couple of things happened. It was basically a domino effect. What happened was, there was there was an announcement made that was related to XRP and an alleged ETF around XRP. It turned out to be fake news. And so what happens is, There's a sentiment loss. People dump out of it, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news. That's what it was. People dump out of it. And then after they dump out of it, there are liquidations on, on longs because people were out there doing longs on this business. They get liquidated over $300 million liquidated on Bitcoin and Ethereum because of this fake news. And so you're not going crazy. You did see a climb and then a dump that was irrational. And then we are somewhat recovering, but you did see disruption. I said before, I'm going to tinfall a lot of this stuff and I'm going to tinfall this one because the timing was a little bit too ironic. It was a little bit too convenient. It was a little bit too timely where all of a sudden after a significant run-up, we're starting to see this kind of a crap out. I'm sorry, I'm going to tinfall that. I'll stand alone, that's cool. But that's what largely caused what you see is this domino effect of fake news off the XRP and then liquidations aplenty on Ethereum and Bitcoin happening just at the right time. The good news, especially on the Bone side, and this is why I found found it rather comical on CoinMarketCap, the good news is that very rich people are scooping this stuff up like crazy. They're buying dips like mad. Bone, as an example, is currently hovering just shy of the $0.66 cent mark. It had gone up as high as like $0.72, cents, and then when this whole crap happened, it went all the way back down to like $0.64. Cents. And yes, just for those curious, I did buy more. And... I'm hoping, I'm actually hoping that it doesn't go back up to 70 cents because I was looking at the other day and I'm like, geez, it's only a couple thousand dollars. And just to put it in perspective without divulging how much I hold, okay? Dex Screener swears that I am a whale in bone. I don't feel like a whale. The amount of money is not whale that I would consider. However, I realize there's multiple definitions of whale. You And this is an educational point and it applies to any cryptocurrency. You can be a whale in terms of, However, however many holders there are in the project, do you hold a significant amount more percentage-wise than they do? So think of a graph, right? And you think that you're at the left end of the scale on the large bars and they're all the way on the right side of the scale with the small bars. That's kind of the thought process. Are you essentially, relative to all the other people that are in it, you hold you just happen to hold a higher percentage, relatively speaking? I still don't feel that way, but when I looked at it that way, okay, I can see the case made. But it's not like I hold a significant portion of the total supply of the tokens. I would argue, no, I don't. And in that, that's a different dimension. That's a different way of considering whale is how many of the total tokens do you hold? Regardless, regardless of relativity, regardless of anything, of the total supply, how much do you hold and do you hold a significant supply of them? I would argue I don't yet. However, I'm only a few thousand away, especially if the price keeps you know, going down. At some point, I'm going to pull that trigger and I'm going to shift some money over from my central and buy that bad boy doop 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 to get to where I'm, I would arguably be a whale and we'd be, there'd be no, no question about it. And the reason for me, it, for Bone, Bone really has no choice but to go up at this point. It, it's holding its basis above 60 cents really well. Before, it had a low of $0.26 cents or whatever, $0.28. Cents. It's holding it very well. People are buying it every time it dips, so I see that clearly. And it's largely disrupted when Ethereum gets disrupted. Well, we know Ethereum's going to go up, and then it's curious, do I buy into Ethereum and the most I can hope for is a 3X, a 4X, a 5X, or do I stick with bone where it's a minimum 10X, right? Do I go to Bitcoin where in the short term, the most I can maybe hope for is a 2X, so now I'm thinking I put it together and that's the conversation around my investment strategy and the portfolio and diversification is do I go out to the projects where I know at the most it's a two X? Sure. I've got some of those. Do I go to the projects where I expect it's a 10 X? Sure. I go out to those and it's a blend. It's a mix across the board. Cause I never know which one's going to go somewhere and which one's not. I will tell you, I stay away from most of the garbage. I do have a couple of so-called garbage ones. I, they're only garbage because of bad decisions. They're not garbage because there's anything wrong with the code. They're just bad decisions. And I do have those just kind of watch price movement. And then there's the ones that are kind of close to my heart, like rich quack, you know? But other than that, I, I keep a diverse portfolio, and I'm looking now mathematically, percentage-wise, what's the, how high can it go? What's the multiplier I can expect? And then that drives my investment strategy. And I tell that story primarily because when I'm looking at things like these these crashes that we see here, the disruption for me is low. It's actually very low risk. And I actually look forward to it going down because remember, Bone was sitting above two bucks for the longest time, went down to $1.70 for the longest time, took a while to go down to 26 And I had bought a crazy amount of Bone in Saturday exchange and I sold it like an idiot. And I know now that Bone's going to go somewhere. Ties to another announcement I've got here later. You, though, have to make a decision, and I would encourage you to make a similar thought process in your mind about what what is my investment strategy going to be? Am I going to invest in those garbage coins like Rodney or whatnot? Am I looking at diversification? Am I looking at the core coins because they can't steer you wrong, which is my recommendation? Do I do a mix, right? Do I go all in on Bitcoin? You have to choose what makes sense for you. What I would just recommend is no matter which way you go, make sure you're taking profits. Don't sit on it because there's the profit's there. It's there for the taking. That's what it's for. There are people who would argue that the profit-taking should only apply in the bull run. I disagree with this. Profit is profit, right? Anywhere that you're in a positive is in a positive. Yes, it's a numbers game, though, because if you put in, and at some point I'll do an episode dedicated to this, but if you put in, let's say, $1,000 into something, and it goes to 1,200 bucks, if it goes to 1200 bucks right there, that's a 20% profit. Take your 20% profits, right? Your number of tokens goes down, but you're still 20% up profits. That's 200 bucks. If it went up another 200 bucks the next week after that, you can calculate most people don't make that at a full-time job. So that's what I'm saying. When you say take the profits, we're saying if there's an opportunity to take the money without significantly cutting into your portfolio— I would recommend taking that profit because even if it does go down, right? If it dips, you can buy back in to get back to whatever that number was. Say it's $1,000 again. You're just putting back your position, You're just putting back what it is, but you can use the profits in the short term. This is a bit of gamesmanship and you learn over time, which which coins and tokens are going to go up versus which ones go down. And you learn how to blend your investments in such a way that you can take profits in one and use them to max out the other one or vice versa. I did that recently. I had a Pepe bag and I used it to actually buy more Bone because Pepe in the short term isn't going to have any movement. It may have some movement long-term, especially when Ethereum starts taking off. But right now, there's no value in holding on to it versus getting Bone where Bone, its price isn't dropping as much, but there's an opportunity because people because there is a drop, and I want to leverage that now because I don't think it's going to last very long. These are the tricks that you learn over time but you have to decide which of those projects is worth that energy. Because it is energy, it's effort, it's training yourself not to FOMO and jump off green candles. And I had that argument earlier. It's like, really, you're selling on the green and buying on the, you know, you're, you're buying on the green and selling on the red. Why does that make any sense? And it makes sense to some people if that's your strategy, no problem. I just don't personally agree with it myself. There's an update about some things related to artificial intelligence and you may stumble across this, and as somebody who works technology, I wanted to translate what it is because you may be thought you may be thinking it's something that it's not. So what happened was this project's called Unbabble. Babel is a story from biblical times, Tower of Babel, right? And the thought was, and I'll, I'll not bore you the full story, but the thought was that you know they, they build this tower, right? And they're all it's one cult in one civilization they build this tower then something happens and all of a sudden they all have they all speak different languages which is the the story behind why we all speak different languages across different countries it started the tower of babel so unbabel is the name of this organization they release what's called project halo this, that what's being promoted in the media is that this project halo allows people to with the power of their mind communicate as in put out messages of what it's reading your brain and putting out the message of what it is. And they gave a story about an ALS patient being the first person to be able to send a message in this case to his wife saying what he wanted to eat. I wanted to translate what this really is because I think it's a misrepresentation ever so slightly. It's not wrong. It's just a little bit misrepresented. Okay. So what this is really doing, Is It's using artificial intelligence based on learning you, learning your language, learning you, learning your style, learning your pattern, learning your dailies, learning your trends, learning your tendencies. It's learning. They basically take you and they build a knowledge repository about you. The AI is then reading certain signals. It's actually an implant and it reads certain signals. And based on when that signal would have applied and then what would have happened as part of the signal, it translates it into likely what it is that you're trying to communicate. So, for example, it may read a signal that at the same time that specific signal and the theory is that the signal is unique, which hasn't been proven yet, but at the same time that signal reads off, it means you're cold, right? That, that's, a, that's a translation of the signal tells me some story that we now need to act on if you're cold, I need to start a fire, turn on the heater, give you a blanket, put on a coat, whatever. And ALS, if you didn't know, at some point it's a degenerative disease and you lose the ability to communicate. Your brain's still working, but you lose the ability to to actively communicate. I knew somebody who I worked under who later got ALS. I learned this secondhand. So I'm aware of it. It's a very scary thing to be basically trapped in your own brain and not to communicate. So when I saw this, it's exciting. And there are other technologies to be able to do that. But at the same time, there's never, re- there's no cure for it. There's never really been. You may have heard about the bucket, ice bucket challenge. That's where that came from. So just to clarify that what that's, this is doing is taking artificial intelligence and learning you Translating that into communicative speech It's not really reading your mind It's translating signals in your body Into a message that's communicated out With a reasonable probability that it's likely what you would have said It's still significant progress and it's still good I just want to make sure we're clear It's not what may have been communicated or what you might have read about Manny Pacquiao Pac-Man Pacquiao! if you listen, to, if you watch boxing or have watched it in the past, just so you understand what, what happened here. Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao was one of the greatest fighters of the, of the prior generation of fighters. He recently retired after he got beat by Jordanius Ugas at welterweight. One of the greatest to do it. He went up. I'm pretty sure he started at, if not flyweight, super flyweight, somewhere around, he started a really small weight class. It was like one, I think he even started at 118. Like he started really small, went all the way up, fought as high as like 147. I don't think he actually actively, I think he went to 150 to fight Antonio Margachito. But so that's a, for a boxer, that's a huge achievement to go so many weight classes up and win titles in multiple weight classes. He arguably had his greatest success in 147, arguably, and 140. But the point is, and 135. But the point is, to go that spin of time over years, he's one of the greatest to ever do this. Well, recently, the SHIB Magazine, news.shib.io, announced that they, were, they had some partnership with the Manny Pacquiao Foundation. And they put, basically, somebody did an artwork drawing of a SHIB dog and Manny Pacquiao on the cover. And you can, it's a free NFT if you, for the first 3,000, so you probably are too late on this business. And I've got another rant about that business. But the point is, is that what it was doing was talking about the foundation. It helps the less fortunate, helps build schools, helps provide scholarships for people in the Philippines. And it's this alleged was some sort of a partnership and fundraising combined was what this was doing and tried to help out with the philanthropic efforts from Manny Pacquiao. Well, this is good, but also apparently the foundation was going to become a validator for Shabarium. Now that was huge. That was a huge lift for, you know, in terms of sentiment. Not because it's Manny Pacquiao specifically, but because when you think about Shibarium and where it is currently, the one thing it's lacked is it doesn't do anything. And for the Manny Pacquiao Foundation to support by way of validation, adding their leverage for validation grants awareness, not just to the foundation, but also to Shibarium on the other side. That awareness may help because it's mainstream. Manny Pacquiao is mainstream. He's not been heavy into cryptocurrency. But he's well known, well regarded across the world. So it's it's awareness. This is nowhere close to what like Satama was doing with Hezbollah and all that garbage. We're talking somebody's mainstream, but also who's in charity business, who's highly regarded. We're talking a guy who ran for president at the point. So I thought it was a really positive sentiment. Now it did not translate to a positive price movement in the short term. And the reason that it didn't is because as it stands right now, Shabarium still doesn't really do anything. The other thing, and this is my rant, right? So on the SHIB magazine, so I I have a subscription on the SHIB magazine and I actually got this uh, Manny Pacquiao NFT because it's actually really good art. So I have this one. Here's the problem, right? To do this, they issue you a new wallet. It's on the SHIB ecosystem. So it's a dedicated wallet. I can't find a way to be able to transfer out of this business to send something to somebody. So I'm sure I could send stuff in, because it's, you know, it's a public wallet address, but I can't see a way to send out, and if they don't have a way to send out, it's dead in the water before it begins. Well, you can't send the cover to, as right now, to anybody else, so it doesn't do you any good, because if you wanted to put it up for sale, because it's a collectible, it's going to be collectible, and it's going to make some money, especially in the boxing industry. They'd love the art alone, if you're a Manny Pacquiao fan, but they, the ship team, you got to fix this garbage where you can't, I understand what you're trying to do, and if you didn't get in, it the way it works is that it's tied to your email address. But the problem is you're still losing the fundamentals of Wallet Connect as in you should be able to transfer stuff out of this, not just be able to send stuff in. You got to be able to transfer and do the regular transactions, and maybe it's coming. That should be on the announcement on the first magazine episode of here's how this is going to work, and it's not there yet. I don't know. I I. I like that they're doing what they're doing with the collectible NFTs and all that. It doesn't do you any damn good if it's locked inside the Shiberio ECO and you cannot transfer out of it. The other news update here, and this goes to something I said. Part of the problem with the layer twos, right? Layer twos and to a lesser degree, layer ones. But layer twos, part of the issue is that Ethereum is expected to refine what it's doing so to the point that layer two's become redundant. Multiple people have called it out. They've called out, well, at some point, the, you know, Ethereum's gonna, they're either going to buy them out or kill them off of transactions. And there's not going to be a point in doing these things. Layer ones are there, but very few of them go very far. I mean, you've got a few, but they don't really go very far. Well, there's a layer one blockchain. It's named Celo, C-E-L-O. They spun up as a layer one blockchain because they wanted to create a mobile Friendly wallet of their own and kind of sell this area. Recently came out and said, We're going to actually go and become a layer two on Ethereum as opposed to being a layer one. This was a bit of a surprise. I want to give some quotes over the leadership of this business. The CTO, Marek Oswalski, quote, We saw this as a coming home moment, something the cello community has been thinking about for a while that hadn't been possible until recent layer two research developments. Ethereum aligned data availability protocol, making it possible for seller to maintain low gas fees as a layer two. So that again, it reading between the lines at some point gas became a problem. And this was huge in 2021. Gas was a problem on Ethereum it was a huge issue. There were times I remember when I was trading Saitama and it's like, it wants like hundred bucks per trade. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work for me, brother. And so I stopped doing it and I switched to the Binance smart chain for a lot of what I was doing you still had, you know, like $5, $10. I can do that. 100 bucks wasn't going to work. And so a lot of layer two starts, layer ones rather, started to spin up and they were cheaper. But again, what value are you versus Ethereum, which is the go to? Well, Solana was successful, arguably. Avalanche was successful. Avalanche is a layer two. Solana is a layer one. Cardano was reasonably successful, but its success tapered off so a layer one. So there was no real pattern as to whether layer one was more successful than layer two. You take something like Internet Computer was essentially a pump and dump, right? Solana had major issues, technological issues. So I've never seen, even now, a Layer 1 that's been reasonably successful, largely, you know, price stable, didn't have any major issues. I've never, I've not seen one. It could be there, but I've not seen one. And so seeing this shift back to Layer 2s and more Layer 2s starting to spin up, especially when they're using that Polygon Zero stuff, it's intriguing. We have to see what's going to happen then. We still don't have the sharding on Ethereum, the full on. We don't know where that's happened. That's late over a year. That was supposed to happen, I believe, last year. We don't have anything there. So I'm I'm curious about what happens there. But it also tells you that Ethereum's, it's relative power, right? Market power is steadily increasing because a lot of these orgs are starting to see, well, maybe we need to just go back that way. If you're going to do that, you know, great. But, you know, I have to watch and see what's going to happen there. Two more points. First, this is a quick one. The price, as I mentioned, was about the whole XRP fake news happening. Where do we go next? I think we're going to go up. I think we're going to go back up. I think it's going to jump quickly. I think people are going to buy up what we see as dips because they know what's coming in 2024. So if you're sitting on the sidelines, that's a viable strategy. If you think that this was just a the death knell for cryptocurrency, that's a viable strategy. Because I can't tell you what to do with your money. I'm personally thinking, It's going to go. It's going to go high and it's going to go fast and it's not going to be that long until we start seeing the inklings of that. It's just a matter of time in my personal opinion. The other bit that I want to breeze through real quick, the IRS, if you're in the United States, this is applicable to you. The IRS is looking into creating software and they're actually close to apparently an initial launch but they're looking into creating software that's going to support people tracking your cryptocurrency in the DeFi world. So allegedly, this is going to let you file your taxes through the IRS without them having to submit the 1099. So the thought is, rather than having to get these documents, because the 1099, you have to normally get to know the dollar amounts on your uh, losses and gains. Rather than having to do that through all the different central exchanges, the thought is that you would just do this software, connect your wallet allegedly, and it would, you know, transact and find everything that needs to be filed. I have, I'm mixed on this one. I'm truly mixed. Number one, I understand what they're thinking about here and what they're trying to do. But the problem is we still don't have a clean definition of gains and losses. We don't 100% know what's going to be tracked as a gain or tracked as a loss. And the problem is doing it in blockchain is an imperfect science because as I've said, I believe it's really only the sale to fiat that should be calculated in this. The sale of fiat would not be tracked in a blockchain because it would have been sent to an exchange. You wouldn't know that. I don't think it's accurate or fair or correct or proper to just go browsing through blockchain and making an assumption that simply because you transacted something out to a stable coin that that results in a profit because it's not. Something that's a stable coin doesn't generate profit. If you generate out to, let's say you generated out to UST before it crashed. Did you make a profit? No. Did you have a loss? Technically, no. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so gains and losses can only go to fiat And trying to do it off blockchain To me is going to be a recipe for disaster Period, recipe for disaster We need laws around this We need rules around this And ideally, I would say, no We should be looking only to the cash out of fiat To determine gains or non-gains Just like you would do in the stock market In the stock market, you don't get taxed on the business Until you sell the shit So it's like, okay, okay I am not I am not I'm not insensitive to what they're trying to do. I'm saying that we don't have clear framework around the way they're trying to do it. That's all. I believe it has to begin and end with Fiat and they're trying to do an end run around this. And by doing an end run around it it's just going to be dangerous for people, especially if they try to start forcing it. Now, trust me, if they want to track your stuff, they can track your stuff. I'm saying that it's a dangerous slippery slope. Now, if somebody comes out and sues them, mother fathers, I would absolutely love that. I would love to see them sue and be forced to prove a gain or a loss that is truly taxable and held accountable in case they get it wrong. I would love to see it. I'm just not going to be part of that business. In closing, I'll repeat what I said. I know there's a lot of people that think that stuff is just because they, they look at the chart and I don't know why, but they look at the charts and they look at the current day Because all of the charting systems default to the current day and they see some red and they assume doom and gloom like chicken little back in the 90s. But the truth is, man, you got to look out to the month chart and you got to look at the long term because cryptocurrency is a long game. It takes a while for true price movement. The blips up and down per day mean nothing. As I see them, if something goes down, it's a discount opportunity to buy in cheaper. If it goes up, great, it's a profit opportunity to make some money. It's all that is. It's psychological, though. It's, it's, you have to train yourself not to freak out just because something's going down. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's necessary. Be stress-free. And remember, no matter what, the easy way to distract yourself from the garbage is to make sure, no matter what, that your money is going to making sure you have a roof over your head and food on your table and your pe- family's taken care of first and foremost. The reason people are stressing themselves out is because they're too busy YOLOing in the garbage. Like that grok, which I'm not going to talk about. They're YOLOing in the garbage and then they get ripped or they get, it just craps out for no reason. And then that's why they're stressing it out. They're stressing because they're going into garbage. They're not going into fundamental stuff. They're not listening to people like Leister, cryptotalkradio.net, which is their prerogative. I'm imploring anybody listening to my show, because I think you're intelligent people. You've got to train yourself away from the psychological trick of falling for the garbage, number one. But number two, don't YOLO in anything. Make sure the money is throwaway money. I just make a lot of it you know, that's why for me, it's not about profit. I'm intrigued by the price movement. I'm intrigued by the potential and the opportunity to do some public good as well. I mean, there's a whole host of things I'd love to be able to do that just happens to take more money than I make in the short, right? So this is my opportunity to get to that point. I mean, I would love to nullify censorship in video games to me. That's another thing I'd love to deal with. I would love to fix TV. <laughs> I don't know. I'm talking TV. I'm talking cable. Stop this rush to streaming. I think it's the wrong answer. I would love to fix internet access. I would love to fix a lot of these things. I can only solve one problem at a time. But it depends. If I get something and it does run, to me, that's a great opportunity to do a public good, do a public service. But I'm at, But for me, it's it is throwaway money. Even though I make a lot, it's throwaway money for me. And I'm telling you, make sure. Any money you put in cryptocurrency is throwaway. Don't put a bunch of money in there that you can lose that's just going to stress you out because you're watching it every hour, right? You're stressed because you put a lot in there. You're gambling. It's essentially a lottery ticket, and I understand that. And if you're a gambler and that's your strategy, I celebrate and respect you. I just don't think it's the right answer, especially if you can't control that sentiment. I just saw somebody, and I'm telling you guys this, I just saw somebody Market CoinMarketCap talk about, Take out every loan you have and, get, and buy into this thing. And do do do. Please don't do that. Please do not extend yourself into debt for cryptocurrency. Please don't do that. And please don't use your cryptocurrency to generate debt. Please don't do that. It's, it's It should be a cash game. Literally a cash only game. No debts, no nothing. Your bills need to be paid. Do not put yourself out. Do not put yourself at risk. If you are a gambler and that's your strategy, I celebrate you. I never advocate you doing this because i care and i don't want to see people get absolutely trashed and i certainly don't want to people see people go online complaining after they get trashed they're not blaming themselves see if you blame yourself i'd be cool with it. it's like you know what this is on me i yoloed into it i didn't listen to lyster i didn't give him his credit i just chose to yolo in it i treated like i'm a gambler and i lost it all it's on me it's not on crypto crypto didn't do anything wrong that's not what happens Instead, people will do that stuff and then they'll say we need regulation and we need to lock this down. We got to stop people from getting ripped off when they're the ones that yelled into it. It's wrong. It's not the right answer. So stay safe, folks, please stay safe. Do not jump into stuff unless you're ready. And by ready, I mean you're at a point that you can do it without worrying about going broke.